Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of Unfunky Self with me, Lindsay Garvey-Jones. Now I hope that you're all doing fine and dandy and you're not too soggy from this rain that we're having right now. Great for the garden, but flipping heck, I really miss the sunshine. Now, today's guest is a very honest and authentic person who has embraced her own journey into mental health and has recently kicked off, launched a new Instagram account, uh, which is Living Soulful. And it says, managing my mental health in a modern life, spreading Reiki magic, a nature lover and believes in living soulful. And I could not agree more. We will be uh, talking about a whole load of different stuff, but mainly straight talk about some topics from fear of not being liked and wanting to fit in, people pleasing, the joys of motherhood and the relationship that we have within that with our own mum and being a mum herself. And also finding yourself, what has the experience been like in finding yourself and living a more true and authentic life and living soulful. So please let me introduce to you today, Mrs. Sophie Fail. How are you? Hello, I'm well. Thank you for that lovely introduction. (laughs) I aim to please, but it's nothing less than what you deserve. It's everything who you are. Thank you so much for coming on to the pod and sharing everything with us because I want to bring as many different voices as I can to our listeners and you are no exception to that. You're such a different voice and you're trying to create a lot of change, not only within yourself, but to support a nation globally even um but we must start at the very beginning and the fear of not being liked the people pleasing how it's shaped the discussions the decisions your life tell me where the fear of not being liked came from what was the trigger well I think truthfully um it's something that has been uh, you know a, a sub topic throughout my whole life um but particularly when I was a teenager sort of growing up that typical time of wanting to fit in wanting to be in with the crowd um everything that that entails um you know the the, the sort of things that you have to do to fit in the music that you like the uh, you know the things you do the the settings that you put yourself in um and I think that you know perhaps unfortunately for me, some people grow out of that and some people get to the point where they know themselves enough to know what they like, don't like, etc. But I felt like I never really got through that. And it sort of carried on for me through into my young adulthood um, and certainly then into my full adulthood. And yeah, it's really been a, a journey for me trying to pinpoint where that's come from um, why that is such an important thing for me, why being liked is is something that I put such a high um, measure on um, when really the people that I look up to and the people that I admire don't really have that same thought process. So yeah, it's, it's sort of been a, a discovery really of where it's come from, um, why it's there and why it matters to me so much. I think a lot of our listeners will really resonate with that and they're not alone because I certainly do. You know, you said to me that this is kind of like your go-to sort. It's your first reaction to things when you're met with a new set of people even, you know, in a work environment or whether or not, you know, you're going into a a social environment. It's Mm. the want to be liked. You want to fit in. And I remember you telling me that, a lot of this came from school and yeah. being multifaceted. Completely. Um, I was very fortunate to go to a private school, wonderful school, um, with really with a real mix of people at the school. But that meant that I went from being with people who I'd spent my primary school years with and formed those early friendships with from, you know, preschool right up to, to then going at age 11 to a completely new school with loads of new people and a real mix of people there were people from a lot of different backgrounds um particularly some very wealthy people and you know I sort of potted in little old me and you know the focus was make friends make friends make friends um and I think 
it was a very small school. Uh, everybody knew each other, which was great because when times were tough and things were going bad, you had the support of teachers and other pupils. But at the same time, any small mistakes you made, any little things you did, any embarrassing things you said in class, um, it was it was you know zoomed in on. Everybody knew. Everybody knew what was going on, and that led to the to, to bullying. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not on my own when I say that I was bullied at school. Um, and it, it really did get to the point where it, it was quite difficult for me because the only way that I felt I could overcome the bullying was to go with the flow, do what everyone else was doing, you know, go along to, to a certain party if I didn't really want to go and mix with people and dress a certain way and like certain music because that made me liked. People were, you know, you felt that you had those friends. Yes, it wasn't deep and meaningful relationships. In fact, I don't, I only keep in touch with a very small handful of people that I went to school with um, compared to some other people I know who still have loads of their friends from school. Um, and I think part of that was because the relationships weren't authentic. They were based on, you know, just let's just fit in. Let's just go with it. And yeah, I think it, it that stuck with me then because then, of course, you, you move into the real world um, and you're put into situations with work um, new social circles you know new families when you go into relationships and that sort of thing and I just thought always deep down that if people can like me I'll do whatever it takes for people to like me because then it'll make me I know oh that's okay because god forbid somebody should disagree with me and that then raises a little bit of a it was just so important to me right from a very early age. Our lovely listeners will have a lot of resonance with that you know I think when you are so young you know you're 14 15 16 you're desperately desperately trying to fit in with a group of people just to see what sticks with you you know do I fit in with this group I mean even now I've got I've got different sets of friends you know I've got friends over here and I've got friends over here and I mean different a different Lindsay to them than I do to them but you still remain authentic because you've grown up you've learned and you put all your boundaries in now what you're saying here is that this led to a lot of people pleasing oh my gosh and it's something that we've talked about at Unfunky Self you know how do you a how do you recognize that you're people pleasing and then how did you carry that on into adult life and everything else tell us your experience of being a people pleaser I think I, it only really hit home for me that I was a people pleaser very recently, um, to be honest. And I think you don't realise at the time that you're doing it because it always ends up in a good outcome. And what I mean by that in the sense of how it comes out at the time. So, you know, we're going for a drink to the pub. Do you want to come? Yeah, I'll come. I, you know, I don't want really want to go, but we'll go in and then everybody can have a chat and it's something we can talk about in the office on Monday or, you know, committing to things that you just know is going to keep the peace and everyone's going to be happy by it. But what I think is is important is that at that time, the the reaction that you have within yourself for not living authentically and not doing, you know, and people pleasing is that over time and over time, it gradually starts to chip away at your your integrity your authenticity and your self-worth because you all of a sudden then get to the stage where you can't then all of a sudden decide that you're not a people pleaser and then saying no to people and putting boundaries in and, and stepping away from situations can come across as a bit hostile and can come across a little bit surprising to people because oh wow why are they suddenly behaving like that because they've never been like that before um and that that's really when I started to realize that this people pleasing was only really affecting in a negative way me because it was the the weight of that and the weight of carrying that around with you and especially as you move into adulthood and you start to really get to know the sort of person that you are or ideally you get to know the sort of person that you are and then you throw in you know meeting people getting married having children you know moving up the up the ladder at work and, and progressing with your career that's when it's really started to you know almost like the the straw that broke the camel's back really because you you have no clear boundaries you have no way to set those boundaries because it's a default it then becomes a way that you do things because we all know it's habit when you've done something consistently for almost all your life you then 
to, to, to make that change to yourself might feel good, but to out, outwardly to other people, it's surprising and it's shocking. And, and you don't always know how to do it in the right way. And I've made that mistake. I've made that mistake of, you know, especially when I realized that situations weren't okay, relationships weren't okay. I was doing things that were really not making me feel good inside. I didn't go about that the right way to change it. I would react and sort of, it was almost a, you know, a very hot headed reaction to, no, I'm not doing that anymore. And all of a sudden standing up for myself. And that's really can be quite, whoa, hang on, not mm. the best way to deal with it either. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's just that slowly, slowly, slowly creeps up, creeps up, creeps up until you combust almost because you can't continue to do it anymore. And, and that's when you end up in a bit of a crisis with it. When did you start to pinpoint what, when you discovered, you said that you were feeling like you were people pleasing and it was a recent kind of acknowledgement in your own head because you said, hang on a minute, I'm people pleasing here. What steps did you take to start putting boundaries in place to then self-regulate, to self-care and say, actually, no, what did you do? Well, I think the point where I realised that sort of my light bulb moment, if you want to call it that, was was really when I realised that I resented every part of my life. That sounds really dramatic. And I don't, you know, I, I don't mean I've got a lovely, lovely life. But what I mean by that is that almost every obligation, every part of what I was doing, you know, certain relationships, work, various other things, I started to really resent. And I was I was actually getting really bitter about it because, you know, I was you know, it was the sort of the story I was telling myself was, oh, there's people that are against me. Why are these people behaving like this with me? Why am I always, I don't know, why am I always the person that seems to be doing more work? And who, you know, all of these, these frustrations that I was getting. And I suddenly thought to myself, but, but you've done this, you know, the old, you've made your bed, now lie in it. And I realized I couldn't lie in it anymore because I'd just had enough. And really the, 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 there's one particular instance um in a with a relationship with a particular person that I had you know it was quite a sensitive situation and I just reached my limit with it and again as I said before I don't always deal with things the right way like many of us don't and I had a bit of a blowout and I had a you know it was my way of saying stop this is not okay and unfortunately because I didn't deal with it in the right way it it actually made the situation worse because it, 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 and then, you know, it took some time for me to actually try to explain myself properly. Um, and funnily enough, I was only reading something this morning that somebody had put on, on social media saying, you, you, when you make decisions, it's not always going to be accepted by other people. It's not always going to be what other people want to hear. Um, sometimes it can be triggering for them because they, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a control thing. And I just had to take the decision to step away from a situation that was making me ill um, and that was making me feel just hopeless and helpless, um, partly from my own doing. Um, and yeah, it was brave and it, it ruffled some feathers, but that was really m my warning and my realisation that I had to start to be more mindful about how I was using my energy and how I was showing up to things and what I was saying yes to and no to and setting boundaries so that that never happened again. Okay. Sophie, what top tips would you give to listeners who are in that situation of wanting to set boundaries, perhaps being a little bit scared about, like you said, maybe triggering that other person? What advice, what support would you give to them when they're at this point now where they're thinking enough's enough, I need to start putting boundaries in? What do they look like? Um, what can they expect? I think a lot of it is down to communication. So if it's a situation with a person, um, I've always been a great believer in talking, trying to explain where you're coming from. And, and bearing in mind that, yes, of course, in some situations there is you know, blame if someone's not treating you very well. But ultimately, as I've just said, you kind of, I put myself out there to to be in this situation. So for me, it was about explaining why I needed to behave differently and why I needed to do things differently. And this is why. Um, and also, I think one of the important exercises that I did to know really what my, because it's all well and good saying set boundaries, but what what does that mean? What What is that? Is that, you know, literally not speaking to somebody ever again is that just 
not joining in mm. in conversations around certain topics because it's just it's you know it's not going to end well I think taking some time to understand why you feel the way you feel and what at what points does it cross the line and actually I think when you when you know that you can actually make really small changes to see how make change, sorry make small changes yourself to then be able to see how that changes the situation or the relationship so I use you know not getting involved in certain conversations as an example you know I hate si- <laughs> I hate silence you know the, the the silences you get in conversations <laughs> I feel like I was put on the earth to fill those silences I'm like you know I'll talk about anything just anything to kind of just fill that void and actually just not being that person to open up conversations to get involved in conversations that I'm not comfortable talking about to to know give opinions when they're not asked that's that's been one of the biggest things for me like (laughs) don't give an opinion Sophie unless someone and even if someone asks for it you don't have to give your opinion I think it's 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 really about understanding you as a person understanding Mm. why why you need certain boundaries identifying what they are and then just making really small changes it doesn't have to be you know never speaking to someone again, blocking them on social media, deleting their number, you know, sending a plane over the sky saying, you know, (laughs) I'm not speaking to you anymore. It's literally just small little things that can just reset that balance. It doesn't have to be so dramatic. You're so right. I am a firm believer in open, honest and authentic communication because, you know, you can't affect change without action is another thing that we always say here at UFY. But it's about having respect. It's about having, you know, an honest and open conversation to say, you know what, this is really not a thing for me and it's okay to not do that. So I won't be doing this any longer. You're just putting yourself out there. Um, Thank you for that so much. You're being very honest and very open. I'm, I'm making you feel quite vulnerable in certain situations. You're so good at sharing. Thank you for all of this. It's this awesome. is part of what I'm doing and this is part of what I'm trying to be about. You know, it's 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 that having those, saying those difficult things, having those difficult conversations mm. so that they're not difficult conversations anymore. Exactly. So it's just the normal sort of thing that you can talk about. Yeah, it is a normal. This is what we're trying to do is to normalize the conversations, which some people would go, oh, you know, that's a bit taboo. That's not something that I'd really get involved with. I mean, listeners, you probably know already from some of the um, Instagram communication that we've been sending out is that Sophie and I so living soulful and unfunky self is going to be where soul meets funk we will be going live on Instagram and it starts on the 31st of May at seven half seven seven thirty in the evening and we will spend half an hour normalizing lots of different types of topics so you know make sure that you're tuned in for that of course that was a nice plug wasn't it wasn't it? <laughs> really selfless, shameless plug for our little Insta live. Um, I'm going to move on to a different subject now. I'm going to move into the area of motherhood. I know, I'm sat here saying I know nothing about motherhood. I'm a mum to a cockapoo, but I'm also an auntie and I've had... I've had a mum as well, and I've got lots of mo- beautiful mother figures around me, like my mother-in-law, amazing person. But... I think when you go into the world of motherhood, you become a mum yourself. That is huge. And now you talked to me about things that you you didn't know. Not many people talk about the fact that this is really overwhelming. So share all about this, if you like. I've got some questions around it as well, because I know that some of the relationship as well that you had with your lovely mom was of course challenging I don't know any mother-daughter relationship that doesn't have its challenges so can you talk us through of course I, I'm a mum to two um wonderful children um three and just coming up to nine months and I can honestly say that that it has been the hardest thing I've ever done by far the most rewarding but also the hardest and I didn't I think part of part of why I found motherhood um, first time round so discombobulating and overwhelming and just a little bit. What on earth is this? Because I didn't have any expectations for motherhood. I didn't have the. I never had that sort of yearning when I was younger to you know have children. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've always wanted to have children, but it wasn't the sort of thing that I. It was. It wasn't the be all and end all. Um, but when my son was born, it was just this 
sense of oh my goodness look what I've created this is just unbelievable and amazing and you know you come home in that that bubble um but it but it is hard and and I think when I think back to the relationship that I had with my mum um I'm so lucky to have my mum I've got lots of friends and people around me that that haven't got their mums around and and I have such a lovely relationship with her now that I feel that we we do talk very openly and honestly about our relationship from me being a child. And it it was a difficult relationship in the sense that I um, was your stereotypical rebellious teenager. Um, Sort of caveat, my my parents were both very successful in their careers. They were both sort of high flyers um, during their time, particularly um, my mum. And she worked a lot and I had a nanny and childminders and, and one thing or another. And we had a lovely, lovely family set up. I had a lovely life. I was very fortunate. We, you know, we went on lovely holidays. I had a fabulous education um, all of those things that I'm so grateful for. Um, but when I got to my teenage years and I started to, to fall into that age where, you know, you, you find you're learning who you are as a person, you're getting that bit of independence. You're starting to, you know, go through the whole hormonal thing. Um, I just wanted attention from my parents, um, particularly my mum. And it was sort of that, those sort of conversations you want to have with your parents that, you know, I don't know if it's a generational thing. Maybe it's not. It just was one of those things that never really happened. And my reaction to that was to get attention in, you know, the ways that every self-respecting public school girl does um, by (laughs) drinking and kissing boys that were completely unsuitable. Um, (laughs) And that was a really successful way of getting my parents' attention. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody who's listening, um, but it it then started a power struggle, particularly between me and my mum for a good few years. and it really was, I mean, we laugh about it now, we do, but it was a really difficult time because I just wanted independence. I wanted to grow up. I was, I was such an old soul. I've always been an old soul. People used to say, you know, gosh, you, you know, 13 going on 33 and everything. Um, <laughs> and my mum just wanted me to be a child and, you know, enjoy the things that you do at school and do my schoolwork and get my exams and, and, and all of that. And yeah, there was this, this power struggle. And to be honest, it was really only now I have my own children that I really appreciate where she was coming from. And, you know, since I've had my children, I mean, she I, I speak to her probably four times a day, if not, if not more. Um, every little thing with the kids, you know, temperatures, they're not sleeping, they're this, that and the other. Um, I'll ring her and sometimes she'll say, I don't know what you're asking me for, Sophie. You know, I, I I don't remember stuff like that. And I'm thinking, no, I know you don't, but I just need you to give me that. I just need that, you know, that motherly. Uh, and that's why I'm so lucky, you know, to have that motherly advice and that, that good relationship. But it, it took some time. Um, and really the, the shift for me in the relationship was just as I was approaching um, my A-level. A so I was 16. Um, so prime rebellion phase um my my father was um quite ill he was diagnosed with cancer and it was a very serious form of cancer he was only in his 40s it was quite rare um and literally almost overnight our lives completely changed because there was this very real fear and this very real chance that he would die and it just shook me completely because I just took them for granted I took my life for granted I took the everything for granted and and all of a sudden, I saw my mum in a completely different light. How she always was, but it just my mindset shifted. All of a sudden, she was being mm. the strong person. She was she was making sure that me and my brother, things were as normal as possible for us. Mm. She was, you know, caring for my dad. She was doing all of these amazing things while still trying to keep a roof over our heads and working and doing all of those things. And really, that that brought us back together. And I don't, I don't. I wouldn't want to go through that whole process again. Thankfully, my dad recovered and he's been in remission now for oh, best part of nearly 15 years. And he's he's extremely healthy and was so lucky. But really that that shifted things for me because I realised that I'm you can't take your parents for granted. And I had until that point. I had. Um, and I hadn't put that value on that relationship. I hadn't put that value on what they were trying to do for me. It was all from a good place. And... When that shifted, that really changed a lot for me. That really um, made my relationship with my mum a lot, a lot better. And now, you know, we, 
I mean, I tell her everything. I mean, some things she probably doesn't want to know, but I, I do because <laughs> I, I don't want to go back to that place of hiding things from her and and, and doing that power struggle. Um, and I, I appreciate her now. Now I'm a mother myself. Um, and she's instilled a lot of talking sort of how that's affected my mothering. Um, you know, I, I have a career, which I'm very proud of, but also she'll say to me, work isn't everything, Sophie. Work isn't the be all and end all. She said openly, you know, she wishes, she regrets not spending more time with me and my brother yeah. when we were younger, to the point where now my kids just, she, she'd be here every day if, if, if she could, you know, <laughs> she, she just pops around, you know, I'll just pop, I'm just calling in, oh, I'll put them to bed, you know, she, she adores it, she loves it. And I think that's one thing for me, you know, the rush to get back to work and the rush to reclaim that time that I've lost, um, inverted commas, being off having babies. Um, there isn't really a rush and it's okay to to do what you can while you while you're being a mother um and not apologize for being a mother uh, and letting that um that that's really been the lesson to me mm. definitely I've got a question for you and it comes from what we were chatting about recently your eldest your son said to you mummy put your phone down oh gosh. how much did that break your heart do you know it 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 hit me like a ton of bricks mm. um because i i've always say i've always wanted to be a good parent and what by that i mean you know i'm very conscious of what they eat and you know getting fresh air and we read a lot we're very you know that i'm very conscious of all those things you know i try not to just sit them in front of a tv for however many hours i mean i do i do there's days when i do that but you know i'm all about the manners and and you know saying pleases mm. and thank yous and being polite and everything and i just realized that he 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 just wanted my attention and and i've realized now that it, you know we we put down certain things down to the you know terrible twos and being a three-nager and all of that um but when he was acting up and his behaviour was acting up, um, you know, trying to throw the washing line across the garden because I'd said no to another snack or whatever that, that is, it, it was a reaction to wanting my attention. And it really did hit me. And I thought, wow, like he's he's three. I mean, he's just gone three. And he that's something that clearly plays on his mind. And immediately um, I, I put my phone down because I just couldn't, well, you know, me being the extreme that I am, I was like, I'm deleting social media. I'm getting a Nokia 3310 that only calls and texts and I'm never going to go on WhatsApp again. Um, but then I just thought, no, I need to make sure that when we're sat colouring, doing stickers, painting, whatever, digging for worms in the garden, that that's what I'm doing. And he has. And, you know, since I've been trying to implement that and since we've been having more quality time, his behaviour has improved so much. Mm. And he, he just it's it's just what he needed just what I needed yeah it's it's double fold isn't it because you're more in the present in the moment enjoying that quality time and he feels that he sees that and that's just by putting the phone down because nicely that puts me into this thing of comparison is the thief of joy and the one thing that your phone gives you is um accessibility into comparing yourself to other mothers that pressure of comparing yourself to some people on social media who almost give you the perception that they've got this amazing life, that everything is perfect. You know, they're wearing this oversized, beautiful blue linen shirt, their hair's pulled back, they're all cleansed of makeup, and yet you're sat there trying to do a million things. Mm. I mean, gosh, that must feel so pressured. Oh, it is. And I think social media, and, and before I say I love social media, I think it has a wonderful place. And I think it's great for connecting people together. But I think the hardest part of parenting for me has been social media. Because you a lot of what you do as a parent, or certainly a lot of what I do as a parent is based on my own experiences, and what I feel in my heart to be right. And that's everything from, you know, our setup in the house, are what I feed them, what we do as activities. And it's always feels, you know, like we can have the loveliest day just pootling around our local woods, you know, having a little picnic on the carpet, um, all those lovely things. I go on social media and I see that somebody has been, you know, taking their kids to Chester Zoo and they've done all these fabulous things. And, and I suddenly, and it's saying it out loud as a grown woman, it, it makes me sound ridiculous, but it, I, 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 my first thought is, 
oh my god i should be doing more with the kids i should and literally within 10 minutes i'm googling you know baby classes in the area and da, 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 and and it's and i don't know why i do that and and certainly when you when you're in, when you're pregnant and when you're a new mother particularly the first time oh the the everyone's got an opinion on parenting everyone's got an opinion on babies like the way they're born the, and honestly it is the hardest thing to navigate in in social media world but also in real life because it's almost like i think any other subject or topic would not be open for comment so easily you know the, the person at the checkout at the supermarket feels the need to pass comment on certain things and it's just so difficult and my view on everything is always that i i've chosen to have my children and you know from everything from how they were born to how I fed them, to where they've slept, to the clothes they wear, to the decision that they go to nursery. Everybody has an opinion on that. And quite frankly, I don't really care how other people do, what they do with their children. The most important thing to me is that children are safe, that they are loved, that they go to bed with a full belly and a heart that's full and they can talk about what a lovely day they've had. If that's digging for worms in the garden and eating a mcdonald's then fine but i just this 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 whole area around um it's like subtly shaming women mm. for making certain decisions mm. that i mean when i had my son it was just even even going to these baby groups you know mm. i i went to a baby group when he was 10 weeks old um and you know he was, he was hungry i got the bottle out to feed him and you know within 30 seconds a mother had made some comment about you know about the fact that I wasn't breastfeeding him and wow. and and you know well I suppose that that's the something along the lines of well I suppose that's a sacrifice that that you you're making for his health so that you can sleep better at night and I remember just thinking like now if somebody said that to me I'd just laugh but at the time I left I left the group and I've never been to a baby group since because I just thought who why gosh I'm, am I doing something wrong and, mm. and and it is it's just you question everything um Having said that, and it nearly stopped me from having any more children, I have to say that. It was to the wow. point where I thought, I just, the whole process of getting to that first year of life, mm. everything that comes with it, um, is is so hard that I just thought, I don't think I can put myself through that again. Having said that, my experience when I had my daughter in lockdown, which to most people would be horrifying, oh, to me was bliss. You know, we didn't get any visitors <laughs> at the hospital. We came home and we were in this l lovely bubble of, of love. And I just went with my gut. I didn't, I didn't, I actually came off social media for a little while when she was very little. And I just don't compare now. I, mm. I don't compare children, you know, is your son walking, da, da, da. Um, it's because it's just dangerous. There's no, there's mm -hmm. no good can come from that. Um, it's great to support people. It's great to share tips and hints. And I do that with friends that are having children, but only when I'm asked. I never offer my opinion or my thoughts or anything unless I'm asked because yeah. I just think that if you are making the decision to bring a human into the world, you can make the decisions on how you raise that, that child. And that Absolutely. is totally on you, nothing to do with me, as long as your child is loved and safe and happy. And that's really, I think, all there is to it. Wise words, Sophie Fail. Um, you know, people don't always have the filter enough to think, how will my comment impact this person? You know, we should be, here, here we are, should is a big loaded thing, but we could raise our standards and be more mindful about what we're saying, but also lift each other up. Mm -hmm. We're not here to make judgments, pass comments and have opinions about how other people bring up their children, you know, whether or not, how they're feeding, how they're sleeping, go with your gut. You know, we've managed for the last God knows how many years bringing people into the world and fetching them up. So, yeah. and it's, yeah. it is, I think, I mean, it's obvious from, you know, my little, I've got a bit on my soapbox then, but it, it does, <laughs> it does trigger me to get cross because I just think about a lot of my friends and, and all I say to friends now who are, who are about to become parents for the first time you know, I just say, just, just go with the, go with your gut, go with what you think mm. is best. Just, just make decisions that make you happy because mm. if you're happy, your children will be happy. And I think mm. that's, that's true for me anyway. Now that I feel happier in, in how I do things, um, it, it makes everything else so mm. much happier. I do have a question for you. This might be quite psychologically deep rooted is 
Do you feel or think, tell me your opinion on your vision, um, your experience, the way in which your mum and dad were brought up, the generation that they came from, do you think that had a lot of bearing on how you lived your life and how you're trying to parent now? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, you know, my parents both um, came from a background that, that the route that they took in life and the success that they um, created for themselves wasn't a default for their backgrounds. Um, you know, my mum went to the local grammar school she was one of the only people that did mm. and my dad left school with no qualifications whatsoever and they both worked hard and and forged that success um from for themselves and i think that in some ways it, it, it was a blessing to me because i had those role models of you know they were hard working they were committed mm. they were dedicated they everything they have is from what they've worked for. It's all um, been for them. But on the flip side, it also then felt sometimes it's a bit pressured. There's never been sort of pressure from them um, at all, but maybe pressure from me, maybe thinking to myself, God, I've really got to, to, to do well and I've got to show them that they've, that, that they've, they've rubbed off on me, that they've, you know, that, that um, has, has been impactful. And I think certainly for my children, um, you do say, you know, me and my husband all the time will say, oh, you know, we'll go on that lovely adult only holiday when they go to university. And then we stop ourselves and say, hang on, they might not go to university. They might choose to do something else. And I suppose it's how you measure success as a parent, isn't it? I think it's yeah. it's it's understanding what you want from your children or rather that probably that's not the right way to put it. But what your children want from you and how um, that frames really. Um, yeah. You told me that your daughter was one of the main reasons, one of the biggest reasons that you had, Sophie, for working on your own self-development and your own mental health. Tell me how your daughter triggered that off in you. Well, when I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I just actually got a brand new job. And um, it was the start, well, the start of last year, so... Um, I found out I was pregnant and then I found out I was having a little girl and really I, I knew fairly early on that I didn't want my daughter to have the same challenges that I'd had mentally um and I, I'm so in, in many ways I'm really grateful that she's going to grow up in the world as it is now there's some things that scare me you know a lot of the social media and the expectation mm -hmm. that are put on girls but also you know women can do anything now women there's no there's no barriers there's no you know people they can do whatever they want they can be whatever they want but certainly for me when she was born I knew that I still had issues with my own mental health you know I still really struggled with my anxiety I I really struggled with getting past that those thoughts that were in my head um and that were stopping me from being the best mother that I could be and I didn't want to be for both of my children I didn't want to be a mum that was crying all the time. I didn't want to be a mum that was shouting at them for being children because I was stressed and anxious. I didn't want them to grow up in a house that they didn't have that unconditional stability. And and I want to show vulnerability. I want them to know when I'm upset about certain things, but mm. I didn't want it to be from a place that they wouldn't understand. Um, it's really important to me that I got a hold on that so that they could... No, I didn't want them to never know where they stood. Do you know what I mean? I wanted mm -hmm. it to be, um, and that's why I did it. That really is my 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 why. Because it's very important, I think, whenever you're struggling with mental health issues or you're on a journey to, to change, your why is so important. Because without a why, you don't really know why you're doing it. Um, and that that was it for me. I want I want my children to see me as the very best person that I can be and not crippled and held back by mental health issues. It's perfect. I think open and honest communication, understanding yourself, it's almost going back to that oxygen mask thing on an aeroplane. Mm -hmm. Fix your own oxygen mask first before helping others. 
is something we talk about in mental health all of the time, particularly when you're starting to practice or you're in that mental health environment where you're offering up yourself to somebody else, particularly children and having them grow up in a different world than what we did and help them cope with all kinds of different situations and give them, you know, the, the permission, I guess, for saying, you know what, everything in life's not going to be amazing, but I'm here to help you through those times. Yeah. Fabulous. Now, something else was a change point for you, which leads us very nicely into finding yourself and launching Soulful, living Soulful. And you told me about Reiki, which is something I've never done, but it was a change point for you. Completely. So I've always known that I think this goes back to when we're talking about fitting in. I've always known that I was a little bit different. Um, I've never really liked things that other people like. So, you know, (laughs) I'm not really one for reality TV and soaps and all of that. I love a good um, murder mystery documentary or some sort of (laughs) Scandinavian um, crime drama that's subtitled and that kind of thing. And and I've always loved things that are a little bit bit out there, a little bit wacky. And um, going back to 2017, I was suffering terribly with problems with my back my shoulders and I'd been to chiropractors and various other um you know massages one thing or another and I just couldn't shake this this ish these issues and this pain and um my mother-in-law recommended that I went to see somebody that she knew who practiced Reiki um and for anyone who's not familiar with Reiki in, in, in essence it is a it's energy healing so it's all to do with your chakras um and getting your body back into balance and it's all about channeling energies um in a positive way so I was a little bit skeptical because when she described to me what would be involved I sort of thought well, I don't really see how that's going to help my back but you know I'm, I'm I'm very much I'll go I'll try to give anything a try I'm like yeah all right I'm, I'm in I'm in and um I went for this this Reiki session and I left I, I felt like I floated home it was just the most amazing calming relaxed I've ever felt and I then had a few more sessions of Reiki and it, it transpired that the pain that I was having in my back was actually, it was a manifestation of my anxiety and the stress that I was, I was in at the time. Um, it was during the time that I was trying to fall pregnant with my son, which was uh, a, a tr- tricky-ish, not really compared to some, but it, and there was a lot of stuff going on with work and one thing or another. Um, and I was basically carrying all of my pressure and stress in, in my back. And by having the Reiki and balancing my energies and, you know, realigning my chakras, it, it, it got rid of it. It, it eased it. Um, and it's something that I then started to read more about and get more involved mm. with. Um, and the opportunity came up to actually go for a Reiki attunement. Um, and, in, and essentially what that is, is that actually gives you the power to heal. Um, it was a, a day session. Um, by my now Reiki master and it took about 10 months to actually get a date that I could do it was available Um, and I remember it vividly it was the 13th of December Um, I turned up and that was my moment where I suddenly thought this this is it this is the thing that I have been waiting for for a long time all of a sudden it was this talk about energies and healing and you know, that whole different way to live your life. And it was a a light bulb moment. It was suddenly this feeling of, wow, this is, and and really that was the start of me realizing that I was accountable for my own mental health. I, it was, you know, what I put in my body, what I consumed, um, you know, food and things like in the media, conversations, people, and how energy around you really affects your health and your body and how, how things manifest. Um, so obviously then I fell pregnant with my daughter, lockdown happened, one thing or another. But the one thing that I stuck to all the way through was my Reiki healing. And I would do it most evenings. Um, and even when I was about to be wheeled into theatre to have my daughter, I was, you know, doing my my, my Reiki mantras and, and everything <laughs> like that. Um, I do think my husband thought I'd slightly lost it when I told him about Reiki. And he, I think he just looked at me like, yeah, okay, you do you. Um, 
and recently it's I've, I've i've connected with a few people from the reiki community um and that goes down a whole nother i'll probably do an entire another podcast about that um <laughs> about the whole uh, meditation spirituality and everything crystal healing and all that that's opened up and that's really exciting to me and um, that's something that i want to read more about and learn more about um, but i'm actually starting to um get get practice on healing others um i have to sort of widen my experience of healing other people before I can move to the next level um, of my attunement and actually mm. become a practitioner where I, I can actually um, offer Reiki um, as a service. So it's it, that was really the, the pivotal part of my spiritual journey, mm-hmm. but also this journey to change and moving up to where I'm currently at. Yeah. And where you're currently at is you've launched Living Soulful on Instagram. Um, Tell our listeners um, how they can hook up with you on Living Soulful on Instagram. How can can, they reach you? Yeah, they can find me at at Living Soulful and it's full with two L's. Um, And I'm available on there. I'm I'm currently, obviously, we're doing our wonderful live. Um, I have got plans in the pipeline um, of a blog um a web-based blog um i'm not currently on that there facebook um i just prefer instagram i like it as a as a platform so yeah they can um, follow me on there um and you know message me um i love do you think that you could have done this 10 years ago could you have stood up on social media and gone right folks this is me this is what i'm doing no because i uh, 10 years ago i didn't realize that i needed to do this it, 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 it's only been through doing the last 10 years of my life that mm. i've realized that and this you know people say you have that um period of your life when it's usually late 20s early 30s all around your saturn returns again that's probably going a little bit too um kooky but um so i'll gloss over that but um that's really when people start to get to that period of, you know, maybe settling down, having children, all those sorts of things. I needed that experience. I needed to go through those struggles. Mm. I needed to go through my low, low points. I needed to have my little breakdowns and build myself back up to really realise that this is part of my purpose to do Mm. this. Um, But no, I definitely couldn't have done it. It would have been a very different social Mm. media channel had I've done it 10 years ago. Do you think that it helps you to cope with your anxiety now as it uh, as it pops up? Do you think that by sharing your your anxious parts of you and the stresses of that can really help with your own? How do you cope with your anxiety? What tips can you share? Well, since I've started living soulful, um, both on Instagram and actually just generally in life, one thing that I've loved about doing the social media thing is it makes me accountable. Mm. And it's not in a pressured way. So, you know, I'm, I feel quite comfortable in not posting anything for a few days. I haven't got that pressure. There's no no pressure there. But, you know, I know that I have to show up for myself. But also, I know that there might be somebody else, because I know how I've leaned on other social mm. media um, accounts when I've been having low days, that if I can just help somebody else get out of that thought process that I sometimes find myself in, then that gives me a reason to do it. It's that it's that creating that space where I can, it's my creative output. It's my, my way of um, letting go the thoughts in my brain uh, in a way that I hope is helpful to other people. And in terms of tips, I mean, I'm, I very much, I need to make it very clear that I'm not all of a sudden this soulful meditating, you know, vegan yoga practicing, don't drink caffeine or anything. It, it's important to have some context. You know, I had, I've had a difficult few days. I've been tired. There's been a lot of stress going on. I had my, uh, a few um, wobbles, you know, and last night I ate a massive bowl of pasta, half a bag of crisps and half a bottle of wine because that's what I wanted to do. And that's fine. So I'm not, it's not a preachy thing. I'm not trying to say to people, look how wonderfully I live my life and look how perfect it is and do what I do. And you'll suddenly have no more anxiety. It's about a real insight into not just living with anxiety in the bad times, but also in good times, because when things are really good, that also makes me anxious because I'm waiting for the wheels to fall off and I'm waiting for something to go wrong. And, and, you know, mental health is everyone has it. And it's, it's about balancing that throughout your entire life and and everyday life, not just when things are bad. Um, And that's why living soulful is more, it is the, the, the reason I've done it. And the crux of it is about 
talking more openly and honestly about mental health in modern life, but also all of the other things that I think contribute to living soulfully. So, you know, reading, educating yourself in self-development, food, you know, nourishing yourself well, um, and, and living simply, living a bit more minimally, decluttering this organisation. There's all sorts of things that subjects that I want to touch mm-hmm. on throughout this journey with living soulful that should help people even if they've never suffered from anxiety because it's almost like a prevention and that's what I really Mm. want it to be about um just an accessible way a hub for people to come to um when they're having that those difficult times that's wonderful please visit Sophie on Instagram at living soulful with a double l because she's got recipes on there which are tried and tested She's got a little bed, bedtime routine going on. And, you know, you'll see her on stories most of the time as well, where she's just sharing parts of a day that are going really well or not so well. It, it's a really engaging Instagram account. So thank you for that. I suppose really we have to go a little bit further back because we all carry a story around with us, don't we? You know, and, and it's when you recognize that your story is just your story because it can hold you back. Those are what... I class as limiting beliefs you know personally I went round with a story for a long time about um, um, a belief you know there was my limiting beliefs and my, everything else that I was a victim I was a victim to the circumstance that I had throughout my childhood and I expected everybody to give me permission for x y and z and it's only over the last 10 years that I've got rid of that story because you know you change your story you change your life we all worship the ground that Tony Robbins walks on. He gave a lot of that to me. But I think when we were talking about this, it's almost giving yourself permission to change your story and have patience with yourself, learning about yourself, your values, and really upgrading, raising your standards. And you t- you told me about unpicking the person that you are to build yourself back up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's quite a powerful and brave thing. And I say that, you know, not bigging myself up, but I I do think it is to to admit that you you're a bit lost. And Mm. I think that throughout my childhood, you know, I, I was always, like I said before, an old soul. And I was in such a hurry to be a grown up. And I wanted to to go out to work. And I wanted to, I'm like a sponge. I just wanted to learn everything, have all the experiences, and then follow that societal expectation mm. of job, you know, learn to drive, meet someone, get engaged, get married, mm. have children, buy a house, have a good career. You know, and I tick, 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 ticked all my way through that with a few little bumps on the way. But I got to the point where, you know, I had everything that I'd ever wanted. And I do have everything I've ever wanted. But I felt completely lost. I had no idea who I was. I, I you know, to the point where, in, in, a, in a big sense, but equally, I didn't know what I liked, what I disliked, what my thoughts were, what my beliefs were. You know, ordering food from the Chinese on Friday night it was, it was unbearable. I, I couldn't decide what I wanted to eat. I didn't know, you know, I was like, yeah, whatever you want to get. Da, da, da. And that led to the point where I suddenly thought I've been telling myself for my whole life that because I failed my exams, I didn't fail. I didn't do brilliantly. And I didn't go to university and I went to get a job and I did things differently to how some people have done it. And I had, you know, a couple of, um, not so great relationships and and all those things that happened, the bad things. I focused so much on that Mm. and so much on things that went wrong, things that I didn't do well, things that I, you know, I've never really known what I've wanted to do. I've always been very much, and that's where the Reiki and the soulful Mm. and everything is my anchor now, because as well as all the other things in life, that's what is my, and now I've found my purpose. But I think that was the story I was telling myself. So anything I do that didn't work or I didn't feel on my own measure didn't work or, you know, I'd decide I wanted to get fit and after three days I'd stop doing it or, you know, want to. (laughs) It was always, I was always so down on myself and always so negative on myself and it was always a, a, my story was what I was telling myself, what nobody else was telling me, incidentally. It was just what I was telling myself. And I realised at the point where I thought, I want to try and live life differently. I want to just see if all of the things that I thought I should be doing to make me happy and to make me content, they didn't necessarily work. You know, all the things, all the material things that people say, you know, that that make you happy. When that doesn't work, then what? 
then what? There has to be something more to it. And 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 giving myself the permission to draw a pencil line, not a marker pen, because I don't want to forget what's gone before. I want a pencil line that says, now you can move on to change. You can mm. be different. You can choose to live your life differently to how you've always told yourself you can live your life. Mm. And and that's that for me is 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 it, you know decluttering my house living more minimally um you know choosing to not work as much as I could choosing not to live in you know the the biggest house that I can afford you know choosing to make different life choices so that I feel happier and more connected with my soul Hmm. sometimes going people might think well that's a really odd decision or that's an odd choice or but really that none of that matters because as we've said, it doesn't really matter what other people think. And I'm starting to get to that point now where letting myself change, letting myself be open to a different way of doing things, a different way of thinking, different mindsets, new things that I'm discovering, you know, spirituality, a lot of the meditation, connecting in that way. Hmm. It's It's been everything to me. And it's, it's it, I want, I'm so looking forward now to, to moving forward yeah. because I feel like I've found my, my anchor I feel like I'm at the point where I've been wanting to get to and I kind of got here without it wasn't an intentional thing it's just Mm. it's it's you know my spiritual friends say there's no such thing as coincidences Mm. and I believe that now you know the universe sometimes just does a line for you and um and yeah that's that's what it's all about pencil line moving on change um and, and giving myself the permission to change my mind to say I want to do things differently. I'm so happy for you. I'm, I'm just thrilled and delighted that you've reached this point because you've almost calmed your mind. You know, you calmed everything down. You recognised your why. You understood what that was. And you've created something really valuable to a lot of people. You know, I always say as well, never underestimate your impact on other people because there are other people watching you, listening to you passively. You don't know how many people are engaging with you and they're saying, actually, that's brilliant. If you can do it, I can do it. And you'll never know about it. You'll never get to hear about it. That's the one good thing about social media. You know, my limiting belief said, Mm. no one wants to listen to you (laughs) talking about, nobody does. Like, just, just no, Sophie, just, just, just don't do it. But my heart told me that, yeah, there is a space for this. And the good thing with social media is you can choose to consume it. You know, I'm not, Mm. I'm not knocking on people's doors, shouting about the benefits of Reiki and living soulful and minimalism until they have to shut the door in my face. You can choose to watch someone's stories. You can choose to consume it. You can follow and follow. And I'm cool. I have some of my closest friends who aren't following living soulful. And that is absolutely fine Mm. by me. Totally Mm. fine. Because it's, it's your, it's boundaries, isn't it? It's what we were talking about before. It's how you set yourself. It's up to you whether you consume it. And I, I just think if, if, if I help one person, or if I if I inspire one person, then job done, job done. You're certainly an inspiration to all of us, Sophie. And I know one person who is very inspired by you and gives you so much support is your husband. He's been at your side for 10 years. None of this really could have happened without him. You've told me that. So yeah. let's give a little bit of love to, to Hubby. Yeah, I'm going to give some love to him. Um, I mean, I'll still probably tell him off and doing the dishwasher wrong tomorrow or something. <laughs> but it's important to say that, you know, when I met my husband, we met and got married fairly quickly um, within sort of two years. And we were in that sort of, oh, it's so lovely. We're in love and everything and, and it's great. And then we spent the next up to t- current day, really, getting to know each other properly, you know, living together um, going through all the things that you do um, and, and the things that life throws at you. And it hasn't always been easy. It, it hasn't, you know, it's not all sunshines and, and rainbows and happy times, but you know, we, 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 we both know what we want from our lives now. We both know how we want to live our lives, how we want to raise our children, how we want our relationship to be. You know, we've reframed boundaries within our relationship very recently. We spend quite a lot of time apart. Um, we still live in the same house, but we do our own things and pursuing our own hobbies and taking that time out and respecting um, our boundaries. And, you know, I couldn't do it with, without him. Mm. I couldn't because... You know, he's he's a very quiet, unassuming soul. Um, he doesn't say much, but when he does, it's always very meaningful. Um, you know, and he said he was proud of me. And, and and I mean, he still doesn't know what the Instagram handle's called. He keeps getting that wrong. But, you know, I give him some credit. But no, and, you know, having that support from, from him, from friends, from my family, um, 
I, I wouldn't do this without that. Mm. I wouldn't because it, it's it's very important to me that I have that. So yeah, I have to give him give him a shout out and give him a big up. That's awesome, <laughs> Sophie. Thank you so much for giving us the most vulnerable parts of yourself. You know, they are challenging conversations and every conversation will go on to help our listeners and help other people. So thank you so much for your time today. As always, though, I always ask our guests for their top tips on a book or a podcast or a social media account, something that they, they really love that you, you want to share. Yeah. So if anything that I've talked about today has kind of resonated with anybody and they want to dive a little bit deeper into this whole idea of living life a little bit differently, I would recommend firstly a documentary which is on Netflix. It's called The Minimalists, um, a documentary about the important things. Um, It's two guys from America. They set up their best friends. They had a very similar situation to me and set up um, an Instagram account and they've made a documentary film. They also followed that up um, last year with The Minimalists Less Is Now and I would encourage everybody to watch them. Um, It's really, really quite special. Um, In terms of books, um, The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Um, If you know, you know. (laughs) That's all I'll say. (laughs) Um, And another book uh, is from a lady called Courtney Carver it's called Soulful Simplicity and that was the book that really um started me on my main journey and was mainly sort of my inspiration behind living soulful um, and you can find her on Instagram at be more with less awesome thank you for sharing those listeners I'll put the links to those on the bottom of the summary on the podcast and it will also be on the Instagram unfunk underscore yourself as well now as always to our lovely listeners thank you so much for being on our journey with us and thank you always for listening your feedback is always welcome let us know if there's any topics that you would like us to cover for future episodes but until next time take care of yourself and those around you (laughs) 